The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, everybody, before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, if you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratifications of DFS, then you have to try out weekly fantasy sports WFS on Owner's Box. Head on over to rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today. Weekly Fantasy Sports is the best of daily and season long. It keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games. Owner's Box will also be paying out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through their first ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank up to, uh, up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. But that's not it. Owner's Box will be matching your first time deposit of up to $500 for any depositors through January 4th. Just head on over to www.rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today to claim your $500 bonus and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports. Now, to this episode of Benched with Bubba. back everybody to another episode of benched with bubba episode 349 got a special guest joining me tonight first time getting benched with bubba to talk some fantasy baseball some nfbc and he's a great guy to ask nfbc questions too because he's a veteran in that and other sports we'll talk about soon enough you can find him on twitter at fish 2483 john fish how we doing man good bubba thanks for having me on man i really appreciate it i'm sorry for the delay i know uh you had asked me about a month ago but uh, it was pure chaos around here with the the whole moving into the new house. So no problem. Yeah. I totally get it, man. I'm glad you're moved in and everything's good. And it was uh, no worries at all because you know in reality it might even be better now because we're getting into the the crunch time to really get drafting pretty soon. So um, yeah, this could be a lot more fun. Before we get into this, I want to to get to know you just a little bit more because I have to ask you. It seems like anytime anyone puts any sort of NFBC event on Twitter, you sign up. Um, <laughs> You play in the, the basketball version. You play the football version. I think you even talked about the hockey version. 
what what don't you play? Let's start with that. Uh, that's I'm pretty much it. <laughs> have you been playing all these sports like the whole time, or have you started with what did you start with? What was your 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 sport of choice? I started with football. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. I think a lot of people usually start with football. It's it's kind of the easiest to yeah. learn, I guess. Um, yeah, so I started with football and. Uh, I, one of my buddies actually got me into basketball and I really enjoyed it and we did well the first couple of years and I was like, wow, okay, maybe I'll just continue to play this. But I actually took a break from fantasy sports for, I don't know, it was probably like four or five years. Uh, but then I started get back in, getting back into it and uh, I did a little bit of baseball back in the day. I played baseball in college, so we would do a draft on like on our bus, bus trip down to Florida for the you know, our spring trip and stuff. So I got into baseball a little bit then. Uh, I was terrible. I didn't, you know, I, I love baseball. I love the players, knew the players, but I didn't know like, you know, how to fantasy wise, how to play. Yeah. So, yeah. So I've been getting into it a, uh, a little bit more over the last few years. Uh, hockey, I'm terrible at. So uh, I just, <laughs> I just do one team just cause it's fun. Uh, just, just to, you know, kind of follow along with it a little bit. Keeps me away from betting too. So yes. uh, yeah, I can focus on players instead of, you know, betting lines and losing money that way. So I love it. No, that's that's a great point because we all have that itch one way or another. And um, if you can just put a, like a season long team into it and scratch it that way instead of a daily, you know, ups and down roller coaster ride that that becomes, yeah, that's a hard move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keeps the household up too. It's a, it's a lot better that way. So uh, yeah. good, good, good stuff there. How many baseball teams have you done already or drafts already? Uh, way too many. Um, <laughs> it's, I, it's awesome. I, yeah. <laughs> Well, so what I'm doing this year for, you know, kind of like my portfolio is I'm doing far less fab leagues. So instead of doing, you know, a bunch of fab leagues, I'm putting those into more draft champions. So I'll probably have a total of like 25 teams when all is said and done, but about half the amount of fab teams as I did last year, because it's just, I mean, it's a nightmare. Yeah, it, it is a nightmare. How many fab teams are you, are you looking to do? Uh, I'm going to do one main event team, and then I'm going to have three online championships. Uh, we did the tag team league yep. and uh, TGFBI. Five teams. So, I, forgive me for this. Who did I? Who'd you team up with in the tag team? Is it was it uh, Curlin? No, I teamed up with a friend of mine, Ryan Collins. Oh, okay, gotcha. I could I couldn't remember who it was, but that was a fun draft. I had a, a Shelly or and. A, not Shelly, I'm just blanking here. But I had um the um Rob and um why am I blanking? Rob D Pietro and uh Jenny uh, Butler. Jenny Butler. Oh, I was blanking on yeah. everything. Yeah, Jenny and Rob on last week and it was it was really good stuff. So I listened to them talk about it. Have you teamed up with people before or is that first time for you? Uh I actually did a main event with I actually did a main event with Curlin too last year. We split a yeah. team. Um and then my buddy Ryan and I split a main event team last year as well. Cool. The cheaper price point, so we, you know, I did a little, did a little extra. Now, but, last, uh, it's it's challenging. It is very. I, that's that's why I want to talk to him about it because <laughs> I'm too stubborn. I, I, I to, to be able to have that give and take with that much money on the line, and it's it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's definitely you got to be on the same page with your with your draft partner. Uh, the best part about the tag team league is everybody's in the same boat, so. And obviously you got some teams in there that are, that are used to, you know, being with each other, like, you know, Dave McDonald and Tony, like they've been doing main events for a couple of years together doing well. So they're used to playing with each other. 
And yeah, so it's, it's challenging though, because you don't see eye to eye on everybody. Nobody does. No. And, and the drafts, one thing I, the Sunday or Saturday night fab discussions, I could see getting real fun. Like those are the ones where it'll get interesting. Yeah. So, so like last year, Curlin and I, you know, it's kind of, you know, last second spur of the moment decided to split a team. And I was like, just throughout the week, if you see anybody you like, just put them over as a possible pickup. It doesn't matter. We'll just, we'll, we'll revisit it on Sunday, you know, before it runs and uh, we'll see, you know, if we still want to put a bid in on them or not, but it helps you. So you don't forget throughout the course of the week, just a, you know, Monday, a guy has a big game. Perfect. Put him over. When you review on Sunday, he might not have done anything since. So you can just take him out, but it, it helps you. It helps both of us, you know, be able to communicate a little better with, with who we, who we're interested in possibly. Makes a lot of sense. I like that. Um, your main event, are you doing it online or are you traveling? No, I'm doing it online. Uh, yeah, I actually did get my second dose of the vaccine uh, last Friday, but uh, I got a, I have a daughter with Down syndrome, so she's a little bit yeah. you know, susceptible to the, I just, let's play it safe for one more yeah, year. No, don't blame me at all. Don't blame me at all. I just, I've seen people, some are going, some aren't. I totally get it. Totally. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be going this year. So I totally get it. But uh, let's get into some fancy baseball talk. And uh, we'll kick it off with uh, the recent news and the most recent news that's near and dear to my heart because literally I had the range of emotions this morning waking up and seeing Fran Valdez still in my on available to draft to pick 104. And I'm like, awesome. Love Fran SP3, let's go. <laughs> and then I go to a meeting and I come out to a bunch of tweets because the news drops that he has a fractured finger. And I'm sitting there going, I literally recorded a podcast yesterday on Tuesday and had the game on in the background watching him pitch. And there was no issues. What happened? So fractured finger. We have no timetable yet. Assuming four to six weeks, could be even longer. What are you doing with him now in drafts? He's obviously falling, but is he a, a, a must avoid now for you? I wouldn't say he's a must avoid. We still have a little bit of time. We still got, what, like four weeks? Uh, yeah. yeah, about four weeks until the until the season starts. So I don't think he's a, uh, a must avoid. The crazy thing is, is he stayed in, and I think yeah. didn't he pitch to five more batters or something? He and, threw a whole other inning. He threw seven more batters, got six more outs. He said he yeah. felt fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it kind of like out of nowhere. It's like, okay, he must be You're okay. killing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's definitely not a uh, not a must avoid. I mean, obviously, you got to know that you're. He's probably going to miss the first couple of weeks. He's going to be behind a little bit. So I wouldn't, you know, plan on him for three weeks. But if he slips far enough in a draft. Yeah, I would. I would definitely take him. Yeah, that that's my biggest thing. Is I, I tweeted out a, a poll today. Okay, so it's his throwing hand. So obviously, why it's recovering, he can't throw. So that's off limits. Mm-hmm. So he's you got to imagine he's about a month behind. All like best case scenario, he's ready to roll. Let's just say May first, and if, so he misses the first month of the year. Let's just say that. That's when Mike Soroka's due back. Do you take a chance on Mike Soroka in a draft or Framber Valdez right now? If we know they both come back May first. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. I actually haven't uh, taken Soroka at all. Neither have I. Um, and I loved him last year. Going into last year, I loved him. So, uh, man, I don't know. I would probably, I'd probably go with Valdez still. That's kind of where I'm at for now, unless there's some like really bad news that comes out. The one that's fun because you mentioned he could dra- uh, drop quite a bit, and then it becomes interesting. And I'm with you because you start to see guys now that are like taking chances on Sale and Cindergard when they're falling. Well, they're coming back from TJ. Framber Valdez just has a fractured finger. If they're falling in that range, I would still have Framber ahead of them. What about you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, so if this starts falling in that range, then it's definitely pounce season. So 
Yep, we'll see what happens. Those that have drafted them like myself, bob and weave time. Let's uh, have some fun, <laughs> but uh, it's not the end of the world. Long way to go. Um, Brandon Woodruff, he's about, he's going off around the maybe end of round two, usually early round three right now. He's an SP2 for some that did they took a hitter and a pitcher, like a, so they're second ace for many. Uh, people love him because of the innings factor, but uh, he missed his start because of a back uh, sore back. He threw a bullpen on Wednesday. He's scheduled to start hopefully Friday, Saturday if things look good. How concerned are you? Like, obviously, we've got a lot more time. Like you said, we're going to see a start on Friday. But with, like, back injuries, they can be, like, lingering. Is he mm-hmm. is he moving down a bit for you, or are you still just like, ah, oh, it's okay, it's early? I don't think I'm overly concerned yet. Uh, obviously, I got a little bit of time until my the, the, the big money draft, so we'll see how, you know, reassess then. But, yeah, I, uh, I think – I'm not really avoiding him yet, but I do have him in a lot of places, so I'm definitely keeping a close eye on it. He's a he was a big target for me in the second round, so uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to we'll see. I, I hope and being a Brewers fan, I really hope that he's all right because the pitching depth with Milwaukee is not good. I can't remember who I talked to on my show probably in the last like three weeks or so. Uh, we were talking about the ballpark, and I'm still calling it Miller Park. I'm assuming most of you guys are still calling it Miller Park. What what's the deal with the name change? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's, I, it's I mean, Milwaukee, Wisconsin for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. But I think, I think Miller is no longer, I think it's like Miller Coors now or something. So uh, you might be right. Yeah. Yeah. And I know I got a, uh, a lot of friends that are happy about the name change. Cause then they can get some of their better beers in their, in their, in their eyes. So I'm not was, a beer drinker. So. Oh, is that what they're doing? So now that okay, because see, I've never got to go into the ballpark. Usually, when I visit Wisconsin, it's early fall for football or something. So I don't. I, I've always we've always wanted to do like the trifecta: come in like September and do it all. Hit hit Madison on Saturday, Lambeau on Sunday, type thing. That's just really hard to pull off. But um, I've never got to go in there. So was it was strictly Miller products only? Because it was more like no IPAs, none of that stuff. No, I think they had some IPAs. I, like I said, I wasn't. I'm not yeah. a big beer drinker, so. Uh, but I, I mean, like they probably didn't have any like Bud products, for example. Yeah, like right. you know, all the domestics were all Miller. That's so. hilarious. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. So I didn't even think of it that way, but that's funny. Um, but I actually don't. I actually don't mind the name change. You know, what? What? Is something? Something family or something? American Family. Fe- American. Okay. Yeah. It's not a bad. It's just one of those things. Like as a Giants fan, I'm just bitter because I've had a new name. It seems like every year for like I just call it AT and T now. It's like, like geez, Louise. But I still remember it as Pac Bell. Yeah, Pac Bell. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> Pac Bell, AT. I don't even want to go through the list. It's bad. It's like it's almost like Enron Field, the old days. So yeah, yeah, good, good times, good times. Um, Cole Calhoun, knee injury, torn meniscus, had surgery. Um, I am not a professional athlete. I have torn my meniscus. The surgery is not too bad, and he's a lot more of an athlete than I am. So in reality, the max recovery is usually four to six, unless they really had to tear some stuff up, but it sounded like it was pretty basic. And so he should be back sometime pretty early, like maybe miss a couple weeks of the regular season. How far does he move down for you in that respect? And then secondly, the next discussion, is it Farsho? Is it LaCastro, who now has COVID? Josh Rojas? Where, who are you targeting to fill that gap? Well, I think we all hope it's Varshow, right? Being yeah. catcher eligible. I think uh, those stolen bases at a catcher position would be phenomenal value-wise for, for fantasy. 
As far as Calhoun, I was really never drafting him anyways. I think he's just too much of a tank and your batting average. I did like his he's got a he's got some nice power, nice nice pop, and his counting stats should be pretty solid if he's you know leading off. But yeah, just the the lack of speed and the the, the drain on the batting average is just something I'm just not really interested in. Yeah, no, he's one of those you either have to love him or you don't because he doesn't have like the well, like he's good here and he's not good. Like it was like you either like Calhoun or you don't. Um, but yeah, Varshow's interesting. I'm just wondering if they're going to play games with him because LeCastro's been up there. Rojas has been up there. So they've already like put in quality time. Like LeCastro, or, uh, Varshow had a little bit of time last year, but nothing serious. Like there's already talks of him starting in the minors. Now with the new AAA thing, that could be different. But um, I'm curious to see how they pull this one off because I could see some shady stuff happening and you don't get the Varshow time. So it's uh, just draft carefully is all I'm going to say. <laughs> Listen to the news. Yeah. Right? yeah. It'll be interesting. But yeah, because if you don't, if Marshall doesn't get to have his fun this year, he ain't going to be catcher eligible next year. So all that's out the window. So yeah, yeah, enjoy some fun news. Like I have been a, I'm not, I don't have any shares of Victor Robles this year. But going into this year, I've been like a big proponent of you know he's not as bad as the metrics show. He's actually hit good in the minors. He's not, he's not going to hit 25 homers. Like, but he's better than what the numbers show. Well, apparently the Nats might be seeing that now because there's some heavy rumors of him leading off this year like that's what they, they want him to, to to lead off if he leads off what's that do for you on a draft uh, moves up he's yeah. hitting in front of turner and soto and like bell schwarber like yeah he moves up for sure for me just the the how many more at bats he's gonna get now i know a lot of people don't like him because of his you know stat cast metrics and stuff but I mean, where he's going, he's, he's, you know, he's a little bit cheaper than he was last year. Yep. And yeah, I think I'm, I would be in if he's going to be leading off, but then again, it might be a short leash. So we, we might see, you know, lead off for a couple of games, but if he's struggling, I mean, they have Trey Turner there, right? So they can easily put Trey right back into the leadoff spot. So yeah, I, I would definitely target him. I mean, we, he had that nice year a couple of years ago where he showed a little power too. Who knows what's going to happen with the ball. Maybe that'll, you know, zap some of his power, but, uh, yeah, if you, you he would be a target for me if you're looking to attack speed. Yeah, I'm with you. He's picked. Uh, he's going on ADP 157 right now. Over the last two weeks on online drafts, as high as 93, as low as 289. So uh, he's starting to get a little buzz. It seems like moving up, but still, man, 150. Um, I saw Rob Silver and some others talk about it today, and um, you like Derek Cardi and others. If he got the leadoff job, they're saying he's a top 100 pick, and it's hard to argue that. So because um, literally leading off those extra bats, like you mentioned, he could. He could run into 40 steals pretty easily. Like, and that would just be tremendous at that. Basically, what you want Mondesi to do, Robles could do leading off. And maybe just slightly less steals. But overall, similar profiles, at least in my opinion. Could be wrong. But uh, yeah, tons of runs, too. The yeah. runs. He would get a, a huge boost in runs if he's leading off as opposed to hitting towards the bottom. Yeah, my Soto shares would love it. Um, especially, with, uh, especially with the no DH. Because, you, mm-hmm. you know, if you're hitting towards the bottom, you got to – you have to rely on, you know, a pitcher or a pinch hitter hitting the end. So, yeah, the runs would definitely be a huge boost. Yeah, massive boost. New York Yankees. This has been one that I've gotten a lot of feedback on, positive and negative. But Aaron Hicks, uh, Aaron Boone said Aaron Hicks is going to be the number three hitter for the most part, which didn't surprise me much. I've been saying that forever. Like Scott Jensen and I talked about it. Last year, if you guys saw it, obviously they weren't healthy all season and they didn't have all the big guns there all the time. But Hicks was hitting like second or third a lot. He was always hanging out there in that part of the lineup. I know he doesn't stay healthy a lot, but just the idea of a guy hitting third in that Yankees order to start the year, then you just got to see where the health goes. 
at pick 250 or not that's jordan hicks wrong hicks um at pick 278 even better what like how much do you want to draft aaron hicks if he's in third at pick 278 yeah i'd be in absolutely three hitter in the yankees lineup absolutely short porch and right still yeah yeah (laughs) call me in at that price yeah, like I'm getting a, I'm getting a lot of like negative feedback. People saying, "Well, he gets hurt. He doesn't play over a hundred games. All this kind of stuff." And I'm like, "Draft him to start with, and you can replace him later." Like, like in reality, what if he plays 140 games? That's outstanding. So yeah, and of course, of course, anybody around that area is going to have some kind of an issue, right? Yep. So yeah, we're not talking like the 78th pick. We're talking 278. So you can drop yeah. him if he sucks. <laughs> it's not that yep. big a deal. Exactly. Um, Next one I want to ask about, Alberto Mondesi uh, got hit in the foot during spring training and taking batting practice. So he has a sore foot. He has not played in the game yet. But on Wednesday, he took batting practice, fielding drills, did the whole shebang with the team. Supposed to play, I think, on Friday. So it looks like everything's good. I wasn't overly concerned about it, but I wanted to bring it up because everyone loves talking about Alberto Mondesi on Twitter and, and hating on it. Um, it's his foot. We want him for his speed. I'm not concerned. Are you concerned at all? Uh, no, I'm not concerned. Yeah. I think it sounds like he's fine. If he's already they're already talking about him coming back, yeah, I'm not concerned at all. Do you have any desire to take him at pick 23 like he's going at? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't because if I mean if you look at it, his who knows about the power? Uh, the counting stats are just not very good. He's a, a little bit. He's a drain in batting average. You can't. I don't like to take a big batting average drain that early in the draft because I know what happens towards the end of the drafts. It's not good batting average wise. Um, yeah, so I, I, he'd have to steal at least 50 bases in order to have any kind of value, I think. And then, yeah. like, this little fall ball off the foot, like, what if he, you know, pulls a hammy or something? It's a complete wasted pick. So I'd rather build my steals, uh, you know, a different way. <laughs> Take the chance of Victor Robles later or um, Leody Tavares. If you want a guy like Alberto, just do that later. <laughs> so yeah. See what happens. Yeah, I'm with you. I love Alberto Mondesi. It's fun rooting for him, but like you said, there's a lot of oof. Like it's just it's tough there. Um, Xander Bogarts. This one kind of stings. Like the reports are weird when you watch this. First, he sat out a game because he had a sore shoulder. Nah, no big deal. Spring training, okay. Then he has to have an MRI. So how bad is this sore shoulder? Mm-hmm. MRI comes back fine, but he's not doing anything, and he's going to hit 30 swings, just 30 swings off a tee, and then he'll be reevaluated. Like, the more info that comes out, I'm sitting there going, hmm, this isn't great. Uh, he's going up pick 34 right now, as high as 16, as low as 54. What are you doing with Xander Bogarts and this information right now? Oh, man, this is, yeah, this is another guy I have a lot of shares of. Uh, early in draft season, I was getting him in the third round. It was yeah, he was, he's, move, he's moving up, and then this injury happens. Yep, and then recently he's been going at the end, in middle of the end of the second yeah, and then this injury. So it, it could be a buying opportunity because I know, yeah, like you said, he's going, you know, mid to late third now. And, man, I don't know what to do. I I would probably go elsewhere. I think it's a little bit more serious than, like, the Brandon Woodruff issue and the, the Mondesi issue that we talked about. I think it's a little, it sounds like it's a little bit more serious. So, uh, yeah, right now I'm probably not going to roll the dice on him. That's kind of how I feel right now. Like I'm still holding out hope, but it's just like every bit of news sounds like more skeptical. It's just mm-hmm. it's not a big deal. Oh wait, he can only take 30 swings. If it's not a big deal, what's he doing? Like it doesn't make sense. So if you're drafting tomorrow or something, yeah, I'm probably not going to touch him. Like Javi Baez, Claver Torres, Dancy Swanson going after him. I'd rather just do that and call it good. Um, 
but maybe some good news comes out, like you said, when you drafted Jermaine in a few weeks or whatever, that could change things. But mm-hmm. at this at this point in time, it's sketchy to say the least. What's going on there? Um, last bit of news I have I was going to ask you about Tommy Pham going around pick one thirty right now. He said uh, we've seen the pictures of the scar, which is nasty. Um, like Yancey Eaton said on Potapalooza, I almost died. He said at least Tommy Pham uh, got hurt doing something he loves. So that was that was <laughs> that was one of the better quotes I've heard. But I'm a little concerned for the fact that Tommy Pham says he feels eighty percent healthy. Now he's playing in games, he's playing like normal, but he said he's only eighty percent healthy. So does that like get you excited to draft him, or what are you doing with him in drafts? No, he's actually been a fade for me. Okay. I, I mean, he struggled last year. They have so many options. It's a short leash for almost you know all those options. Cronenworth, yeah. Bam, Profar, like Kim. It, it's a short leash. Like they're struggling, they're just not going to play. Like there's they don't have any like leeway to you know work themselves you know, out of the slump or whatever, because they just, there's always somebody to replace them. So he's, he's been a fade for me. He's a little bit older now too. And I think a big part of his value is his stolen bases. And yeah, he's coming off the, coming off the stab wound. And yeah, man. And there's a wrist injury too, right? Didn't he have wrist surgery? Last year, last year he had a wrist injury. I get a minor surgery right after the postseason. So yeah, he's, he's always got something. Yeah, yeah, there's always something, and I'm just, yeah, I'm just out. I'm out. I'm not going to not gonna deal with it anymore. Yeah, it sucks. I love taking Tommy Fan, but I even told uh, DPH the other day, I have no shares because it's just I, I, I passed. I'll take Lariano later or something and go that route. Uh, mm-hmm. I was going to ask you when I was looking at ADP right now, his teammate, and you mentioned a bunch of Padres because of the potential, like, platoons or if you're in trouble. Like, Will Myers, monster season last year. We saw great stack cast improvements, kind of the – Everything we saw last year is what we thought Myers was when he won the AL Rookie of the Year back with the Rays. Like, this was a good, good ball player. Mm-hmm. Now, he's he's moving up in ADP. He's going, like, one pick ahead of Fam right now. And TGFBI, I legit, like, right before we started, I took Myers in round nine when Fam was still on the board. So, it's my first share of Myers. I started looking at it going, okay, this is intriguing. He's, like, three years younger, power speed, everything you want from Fam, but he's younger and healthy for now. Mm-hmm. Are you out on Myers? Like, are you out on like almost all the Padres, or is Myers at least uh, intriguing? You don't have to say yes just because I drafted him. I'm just curious uh, what your thoughts are because he just kind of came onto my radar again here recently. I'm in on Myers. Yeah, okay. I think I, I was getting a lot of tenth round shares of him early, and mm-hmm. like you said, he's moving up now. I, I, I would, I'm still in on him in the ninth round as well. So, uh, yeah, I think just if you look down in that range, there's not many players that are like 25 and 10. And tons of counting stats being in that lineup. I think his playing time is a little more safe than the other ones. I think you'll see the, I think like, you know, the guys I mentioned before, I think those are the guys that are kind of going to move around a little bit. I think Grisham is pretty safe too in center. They just don't have anybody defensively really to, to replace them. So yeah, I'm in, I'm in on fam again. Okay, sweet. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Myers. 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 Yeah. Yep. yeah. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to that That Myers. It like, really got my – like, I want to keep diving in on him, but I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast, so we'll, I'll talk about him later. But um, let's talk NFPC. Uh, I call you the NFPC veteran because you are. How many years have you been playing? I know you said you took a break, but how many years have you been playing NFPC? Uh, I think I've been playing seven years maybe. Yeah. Um, I did my first main event, I believe, in 2016 – but I really shouldn't have been in the main event. I'm not going to lie to you. I got blown out, just got blown out in Vegas. Yeah, 
okay. first couple of years were rough. <laughs> I've heard people talk about it, and uh, I've, I've heard the story of it, but I want to hear your side of it. Like, what we know the best of the best uh, uh, play on that. It's big money. These guys know what they're doing. What was it that was so much different than your other leagues you've done prior that just blew you out of the water? Well, the the uh, pitching gets – I didn't realize how much the pitching, pitching gets pushed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't – if you don't hit on, you know, your pitchers, if you if you wait on pitchers, the, it's a far less chance of succeeding yeah. with, with your pitching. And – yeah, I didn't realize that. <laughs> I didn't, uh, like I said, I, I, I just was completely not prepared. Uh, and a live event is also a little bit more, uh, a little more pressure. Yeah, yeah, especially in Vegas. You know, of course, I'm out partying the night before. You know, yeah. like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And then, yeah, you sit down. And then I think was, I did it with a uh, draft partner, a buddy of mine. And uh, we, like, you don't have, like, when you do a draft online, you can see who's available, right? Like we were trying to like cross names off a list every time a player got picked, and it was I think it was round ten. We were already saying a guy's name was taken, and it was just oh no, <laughs> yeah, it was, I was. I'm like, man, I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, and then of course our hitters that we took early were a bust. We took it was Harper after his uh, MVP year. I think oh, no. uh, was he an MVP? In, was that 2016 or was that 2015? Has one of those remember. two years, yeah. I know, I know, but it was the yeah, it was the year after, and we had the third pick, and we took Harper, and uh, it was fine until he faced the Cubs, and the Cubs decided to intentionally walk him every time, and then it was all downhill after that. Yeah, all downhill after that. He won the MVP. Oh, it's not going to tell me the year right there. Oh, there you go. Baseball Reference has him MVP in uh, yeah fifteen. Fifteen, yeah. So it was twenty sixteen was our first draft in in Vegas, and. Yeah, it was not good. Oh man, that's uh, that's wild. Yeah, I've heard I've heard the stories, and I can only imagine you know sitting down there partying the night before because like I'll see like Maddie wouldn't those guys that go to their parties. I'm like, I'd be in bed ready to wake up and get some breakfast, drink some coffee. I'm like with that kind of money on the line, we could party later. But I know if I was younger and everything, like oh, I'd be doing the same thing, blackjack till three in the morning, and just like let's go. Like I wouldn't, I would yeah. be, think I'd think I was invincible, and you realize not so and much. We, and we're coming from Wisconsin, where it's oh, you yeah. know we don't barely leave our house in the winter for, you know, we're not out of the house for like three months cause it's so cold. And yeah, we, we land in March and we're like, Oh wow, it's warm. Nice. Oh, there's cocktails right here. Yeah. I'm in, let's do it. And then, yeah. And then, and then the next morning you're like, what was I thinking? And then, yeah, then the draft. And it's fun though. It's fun though. If you ever get a chance to do the main event draft, man, is it awesome? Oh no, I'm going to, I'm going to put that on the list here eventually and, and knock it out. But um, I, I love just hearing the different stories of how there's not many people that can walk in and say it was super easy and I, I dominated my first year. It just doesn't happen very often. There's just so much going on. Because like you said is, you know, even back in 2016, it wasn't a common thing. Pitching was going early, like in, in anywhere but like the main event. You know, you still have guys saying, oh, I can take a picture in round seven and all these things like no big deal. But then it's, once you start watching these NFBC ones, and it used to just be kind of the main event, but now it's all of them, as you know. Like every pitch is going early everywhere. But I remember even the last few years, it'd be kind of hit and miss. And then mid-March, you just see this. Like the ADP would just shift to pitching like crazy. Um, I, I liked what you said, though, because I still I still hear people say, you don't have to attack pitching early. You'll be fine. Like I, I just 
can't sleep at night seeing that. Have you even tried any drafts where you're not taking at least one, if not two pitchers relatively early? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm in so many draft champions. I'm trying to you had to have diversified. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, I have, but it, it, it's just not the way to go. Like I got like, you know, Jose Abreu in the, you know, the, towards the end of the fourth round a, a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, I have to take him here because it's way past his ADP. Right. And I do like Jose Abreu, but at the same time, I started with three hitters and now I got four hitters and it just, it just snowballs like it. You know, because if you you get your first pitcher and it's you know normally like a number three pitcher essentially, cool. you got to think about how bad your pitching is. Then towards it's not just that guy; like that guy could be fine, but it, now your number two is normally a number four, your number three is normally a number five, and it just it gets it gets ugly. <laughs> yeah, like um, you can ask you can ask Toby too. Like when we started recording together and just interacting together, I thought pocket aces was dumb. Like I, I told him, like no, this makes like if you want to get like one in the first three rounds, okay, cool. But like two pick, no, you're, you're just, no, it doesn't work. Obviously, he has great success in this, so I'm not gonna knock yeah. that. But the more like I talk to him about it, and you start looking at like the stuff you just mentioned. You're sitting there going, oh yeah, like it's like you're starting what nine pitchers, seven pit, nine pitchers, and you're starting thirteen hitters, and the the hitter pool so much deeper than the pitching pool. So why are you like handcuffing yourself out the gate? It just doesn't make sense because. Mm-hmm. Like the elites of the elite, even if you want to say like the top 20 to 25 pitchers, which we used to be able to do, now it's kind of shrunk even more. It's like four or five, and then this kind of glob, and then a break. And But it's like even after that, that first glob, it's just a drop off so dramatic. Like if you're just, if you're hanging outside of that, it is nasty. So, like, do you want Jose Barrios to be your ace? No. <laughs> it's just, yeah. No, I don't, actually. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the starting pitching, you'll, you'll, you'll go early on relievers is a fun one this year as well because there's kind of like an elite four or five, maybe six now with some of the signings that have been taking place. And then a lot of question marks, a lot of them. Um, are you one to, to try to attack that early, at least get one, two, or are you just like, screw it. I'm going to sit and like in draft champions, you can kind of say, screw it and build late and go that route. That's very easy to do. But uh, do you see yourself being aggressive in the relief, uh, closing pool? So I'm kind of the opposite of that. I in the draft champions, cause there are no pickups. I like to get, one that's locked into the role. Um, I don't like fourth round is just a touch too early for me, but uh, I've gotten plenty of Chapman in the fifth. I got plenty of Iglesias in the sixth. Uh, Those are those. I do like to get one for sure. And then I'll take my shots a little bit later. I got tons of Rafael Montero Mm -hmm. when he was going, I think 11th, 12th. I actually got a ton of Rosenthal before he had signed. And he was because I figured I'm like I was hoping he was going to sign to be a closer. I'm like he was so good last year, and then I saw the reports that he was maybe going to sign with the Brewers, and I'm like, no, I'm like I need you to I need your saves. Even as a Brewer fan, I'm like, no, don't come here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I got I got a bunch of that, and then I take my shots later as well. So now Rosenthal, like Rosenthal, Melanson, it's kind of sketchy now. Like I still think he gets the job, but maybe not all the saves. But Rosenthal and a couple of other guys, I was like, they're only signing to close. Wherever they, I was with you. I was taking, especially on a lot of best balls. I have Rosenthal in a lot of those leagues, and people are like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "He's going to close, but he doesn't have a job." Well, he will. Don't worry about it. Like, he's going to get a job. It's very certain guys you can just count on to to make it happen. So, and his price tag was kind of dumb if you think about it. Where you're getting him before he signed, it was like, do I want my SP eight? Or do I want to take Trevor Rosenthal? It was probably like it was that kind of craziness. So um, that is quite uh, interesting as well. 
when you're doing all these draft champions leagues, what's your obviously a lot of people do them to kind of prep themselves for their main events and their other drafts. What's your kind of uh, strategy? You said you're trying different strategies. What are you trying to accomplish doing these drafts besides obviously putting a great team together, but what are you trying to see when you're doing this? Yeah. I just want to see like how the roster build can work. Like I don't, I don't, I, all, all the players that I do take are guys that I like. Like I don't just take a guy that I don't like just to see how far, you know, one of the guys I do like falls or something like that. I don't do anything like that, but I, all the guys I do take are, are, guys that I like. So, you know, maybe I start off, I, like I took Cole at one, one time, cause I want to see how, how things, you know, fell, like what hitters I could get the two, three turn. If there's another pitcher that fell the two, three turn, you know, if I do a pocket aces kind of strategy. Um, yeah. So I, I'd like to see how my stats shake up essentially. Cause I track, I do track my, uh, my teams into a, uh, an Excel sheet to see just kind of how my, how my stats are shaken up not only compared to others, but just compared to like trying to hit the 80th percentile um, of draft champions from the year prior. Now, obviously I'm using 2019 because, you know, 2020 was a uh, shortened season. So it's a little tough to do that. So I'm using 2019 80th percentile numbers and just kind of tracking to see um, like what, what build, what build I'm liking the most essentially. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense because that's what I'll do is, you know, dif- I call it diversifying the portfolio. Okay, I'm gonna take this guy and see how it kind of builds out. Not a guy I don't like, like you said, but a guy I'm interested in. If like X player goes here, now I'm stuck with him. So let's see mm-hmm. how it goes. So I'm 100 percent with you there. Um, you mentioned Cole at one. Do you have Cole, Degrom, Bieber? How do you have the big three? Yep, just like that. That's how I have it. Who's your four? This is the fun part. Yeah, so my four is Bauer now, okay. um, and then I have Julito five. I have uh, Nola six. And I had actually had Woodruff seven, but yeah, I we'll I, <laughs> I, I I liked Woodruff. I, I don't know. I definitely don't have as many shares as you do because you have a lot more drafts than I do. But um, I have a few because it, it, it was basically if I drafted in the front of like the top four picks, I'd be getting him in round two or three as my SP two. That's just mm-hmm. I had him everywhere for that. It was just it fell perfectly. Um, so I'm with you. That uh, very tricky situation there. With all these drafts you've been doing, um, where what's your sweet spot? You don't have to give your pick you like, but front, middle, back. What do you what do you like? And when you're doing when you're setting your KDS, what are you trying to get to? I hate the back. First of all, I hate it. I why why every so I've gone pocket aces in the back, which is fine. I like that, but then I'm looking at what kind of speed am I going to get? So. And and also, I, I really am very conscientious about what shortstop I'm going to get because I think it falls off a cliff. Mm-hmm. So when I am in the back and I go pocket aces, that means I'm missing out on all the top shortstops because they all go before my third round pick. So then I'm looking at, well, what kind of speed can I get? Okay, well, you can maybe get Starling Marte. You can maybe get uh, like a Rosarena. You can maybe push up Grisham if you want, but... Other than that, there's not really that many good options for speed. So now I'm behind in speed and I'm behind in shortstop. The two things like I don't ever want to be behind on. Yep. I got my pocket aces, which is good, but it just I just have not liked the build. I, I feel like I'm always chasing speed. I, I'm you know I'm getting a shortstop. I usually end up waiting on shortstop. It's just you know I I always feel like I'm jumping players around or half around when I'm drafting at the back. So yeah. the back is definitely going to be uh, 
last in my KDS for sure. I love the middle because I love Trey Turner and yeah. you can usually get him at seven. I think there's a pretty clear top eight for me um, on the board. So seven, eight is, is really solid. If I want one of those big pitchers, I'm going to, I'm just going to leave it one through 15 and I'll, and I'll, I'll jump the pitcher, which I, like I said, I've already taken call at one and I got no problem with any of those pitchers going one, two, three, like, because I, I, cause you know, I mean, we talked about it, like how much the pitchers get pushed up. So like if you're drafting one, two, three and you take a hitter, you're missing out on a huge run of pitchers. Uh-huh. And yeah, so it's, it's kind of like, you know, who do you want as your ace? Like I've seen, you know, Kershaw has gone, Scherzer, even those guys have gone before Flaherty. Sometimes they're there, but sometimes they're not. And when it comes to main event, they're probably not going to be there because no. you know, all the pitchers get pushed up, you know, around those uh, closer to the season. So well, because it's it's like the idea if you do want pocket aces, which most do, especially in the main event, if not two out of the first three, and you're in the back end, you have to take them. Like you said, like you can get good ones, but you have to take them there because your option on round three is not going to be what you want, potential mm-hmm. most likely to be your deal. So, and that, that happened to me in TGFBI on pick 14, and I've done stuff in the back and it's hit and miss. But in this league, it's been a weird draft already. But I got my pocket aces like I wanted, but like you said, Stolen bases were iffy. I got Javi Baez, which he's towards the back end of my shortstop tiers right before it drops off, but wasn't exactly where I wanted to go. It kind of like forced my hand. It's like, look, I'm taking him, like you said, because I don't want what's after this. <laughs> so yeah. it gets like it, it does change things for you at the what, back. Uh, what, what round did you get Baez in? I want to say it was. Did you get him in the fifth? I want to say it was four. But uh, let me check. I got it right here. Um, yeah, yeah, so that's like that's one of the issues. Like if you don't, yeah. if you like you have to kind of push Baez up in the fourth because if you don't, by your, your fifth round pick, yeah. Baez and Gleyber are gone. So are you going to push up Swanson? You know, you can push up Swanson to take him in the sixth because sometimes he's not going to be there in the seventh. And it's just that's what you'll have to do. Which kind of yeah makes you makes your stomach kind of churn. Yeah. Uh, oh no, I got Baez in the sixth, so that wasn't that. Oh, bad. you did. Okay. All right. Yeah. So. I've been in a lot of leagues where he does, you know, he's gone by the time end of the fifth comes. So, but it's like it's like you said. So like now I'm looking at my draft, and um, a lot of I used to never be a JT Romita guy either. But if you're in the back end in that three four area, when there's not a lot of speed, you start looking around, going, he's actually not a bad pick here because everything else kind of is what it is. So I took him in this draft, and so I have like no speed and bias. It's just yeah. Looking at my roster right now, it's, it's going to take some work. Not not undoable, but it's going to take some work. So it's uncomfortable. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you mentioned the top end of the draft. Basically, if you're up there, do you? I, I agree with what you said that on the two three turn, pitching is going to be scarce, especially in a, a, a main event. You wouldn't be shocked if there's like seven pitchers that go in the first round, and like it, it's going to be a sea of yellow on that draft board. Do you feel like you're just forced to take a picture there because it's so hard to pass on the Sotos, the Acunas, like all those guys that are sitting right there? But Colin DeGrom is pretty nice. Do you feel like you're forced to do it? Uh, yeah, it's, that's <laughs> this is the tough question right here. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think honestly, I think I would go with I would go with Cole at one again. I would go with DeGrom at two. Now, if I had the third pick and both those two went, 
Man, I would be in a pickle. I don't know if I would push Beaver up. Hard to push Beaver up that high. It really is. But someone yeah. men pickle. I just pulled it last two weeks. There's three. Someone's done it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like I, I love the hitters of the two, three turns. So that's another, you know, reason that I would consider pushing Beaver up to three. I might actually do that. But then again, it's so tough to pass on Soto, Tatis, Acuna. Like, yeah, all those guys. It's just it's really, it's really tough. Um so I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll probably go with the pitcher though. I will. I really will. Just for fun, like uh, the ADP of the pitchers up here right now. Like since uh, mid February, online drafts the last two weeks basically, there have been nine different pitchers taken in the top fourteen. Like so, obviously not all of the same draft, but mm-hmm. it's just it's just showing you that there's a and then there's two that went seventeen and eighteen. So right outside, like on the turn. So there is basically eleven pitchers. In the top eighteen picks that have been that have been options, not that, not that it'll happen, but it wouldn't surprise you type thing. It's, here they come. So it's just yeah, it's a wild time, wild time for sure. And, you um, know, we, a lot of people talk about how they want to kind of be on the front end of a run. Well, this mm-hmm. is how you're on the front end of a run by taking that pitcher yeah. early, because then all those pitchers are going to go. And what falls to you then? You you have two really good hitters that fall to you. Yeah, because yeah, all the pitchers went. Like, That's a great point that doesn't get talked about I think, nearly enough. You take that pitcher early, and if that pitcher run happens, well, maybe you don't get a second pitcher with your next pitch pick, but you're going to get two awesome bats, like two really. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying it'll happen, but you never, you wouldn't be shocked if, say, you had the third pick and you got a Cole or a Grom, and all these pitchers go. Harper might fall to you in the second round or something crazy like that. And you're just like, okay, that doesn't suck. Like this, this yeah. little, when doors yeah. falling, so it's like there's guys there. Machado. Yeah, Machado. Yeah, I'm, that's a that's a fun one right there. So yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that's a great point that people kind of overlook when you do take that pitcher early. Things kind of go your way, and you get to set that run because if you don't take one, you're going to miss out on all of it. And that's one reason why I prefer one of the ends. I prefer the front end over the back. It seems like right now from my my latest experiences, but I want one of the ends because I think it makes me have to take my guys. Like the middle's good because you don't really miss out on much. But you're also kind of just going with the flow of the draft. Like, it doesn't really mm-hmm. doesn't really force me to go get my guys. But if you're at the end going, it's like 30 picks till I touch another pick. So we got to go. Do you have any flaws? Like, do you feel the same way, or is that different for you? Yeah, I, I'm usually more comfortable in the middle because I I do just kind of you know take take the best player really. Uh, I I loved pick seven. Because, like I said before, I think I could get Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. I get a you know elite speed. I love Trey Turner. I'm a little bit higher than Trey Turner than most. So if you don't tell me, people made fun of me because I had him um, as the top shortstop all of last year, and until about a week ago, I had him over Tatis too. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he's. I think he's. I, I'm still waiting for the big, big breakout season. You know, like the 25, 45, or something like that. Uh, but he's going to give you a lead average. He hits the shortstop position, like I said, that I don't want to be miss out on. And then I'm I'm always able to get Woodruff, who I consider a fantasy ace. I was always able to get him right in the middle because he was going towards the end of the second. So yeah. I, I love that. I love that that first two start. I get my shortstop, my speed, and I get my ace. Yeah, one of these years, Turner's going to do what I've been claiming forever, and it sounds like you believe the same. He's got way more power than people think. So oh, yeah. it's coming. And he kind of showed it last year, like towards the end of that shortened season but still people aren't buying in. Like, that dude's got power. It's going to be fun when he puts it. Like, he's not 40 home run power, but I would never be shocked if he had 30 home runs. Like, no. It, yeah. It's, it's going to be fun. Um, I know I just keep kind of going off off topic here, but I, I like this NFC conversation. And um, you you mentioned the shortstop position a few times. 
And I want you to, to kind of elaborate on this because it's a, it's a conversation I agree with. Toby and I have talked about it. It's like after nine or ten-ish shortstops, some maybe say eight, it just varies. It drops off pretty good. It's a super deep position. So a lot of people think you can just wait. Mm-hmm. And you can if you want kind of a, a headache or a question mark. But the, the elite's much shorter than people think. So can you kind of elaborate on why you're taking a shortstop early? Because there's a lot of people that just say, you know what, it's deep, I'll wait. Yeah, well, yeah, there's a whole bunch of shortstops, but they all go in the first three rounds, you know, or first four or five rounds. I mean, it depends on who who you like. Like, I really like Gliber Torres, yep. so I would throw him in there as well. Uh, I think he's a little bit undervalued. Not going to give you the speed, but, uh, yeah, I think he, he's perfect where he's going. Uh, Baez, if he can bounce back, I'm fine with that too. But I think after that, I think it's just Swanson. And then I'd, I really don't have any interest in him, any other shortstops after that. So it's like, and then like I, like I was saying, if you're at the back end, you might miss out on Baez and Torres in the fifth, and you might miss out on Swanson in the seventh. So what are you going to do? Are you going to push him up around? Or are you going to, like, you could take, you know, a, a shortstop in the second round. You could take a Lindor. Uh, and I did that in TG, TGFBI. So. I got him in the middle of the seven or middle of the second round though. So it's a little bit different, you know, but well, it's, it's fun when you look at the ADPs here, like the top six shortstops are gone by pick 24. And then you have Bogarts and Seager at 34 and 35 you Got Tim Anderson at 42. Then you get a little break to Torres at 68 Baez at 71. So 11 shortstops by the 71st pick Swanson's mm-hmm. at one Oh five. And then it drops off to one twenty. Like it just starts dropping quick. So it's everything you're saying. It's, it seems like there's so many of them, but if you wait a little too long, it gets uh, it gets nasty. And and the other part that makes those guys elite is they steal bags, and you lose that the farther down you go. So now they're just kind of like a outfielder with less pop, possibly. So yeah, yeah, it gets, exactly. It gets a little different. Um, any other NFPC thoughts you had? Because you you play a lot of, of leagues, um, you've done it for a long time. So I always get intrigued because just this conversation. But even when I see your um, like kind of how you started out drafts and your boards and everything. We have a lot of similar flavor. It looks like when I see what you're posting and um, is there anything else kind of that you've noticed this draft season that kind of stands out that might be a little different that can help people coming up in drafts compared to the past when you're, when you're going through your player pool and everything. Well, the, the first thing I noticed in this draft season, because I've been drafting since, you know, November or whatever um, the pitching has been pushed up mm-hmm. uh, right from the, right from the get go. Uh, it's only going to get worse, but it's been pushed up. Like last year, you could get Darvish in the fourth. You could get, you know, Kershaw in the fifth at the beginning of draft season. And that was great. And I was starting three hitters and getting those pitchers. So it was it was great. Um, yeah, I mean, if you if you start with two hitters, it, it can get ugly. I mean, I don't know what you think about Zach Gallen. I really love – I love the talent. And he was really good last year. He's been good ever since he, you know, came up. But – I'm a little bit nervous if he's my ace. I mean, he's pitching against the Padres. He's going to Coors. He's going against the Dodgers. Like it's, it, it's. I don't really don't like a situation. You know, I'm not sure how many wins he's going to get because they're, you know, they're just not really a great offensive team. Their bullpen isn't anything great. So I don't know. I I, I would much rather him as my number two than my ace. But I have taken him as my ace just because I do like the talent. But. I mean, it's it's nerve wracking. <laughs> just, he's just another example of why you take pictures early. Like I do love Gallon. Last year, I was a big fan of him at like pick one fifty, but where you're taking him now, like you said, and now he's your ace potentially. And it's like, like even last year he pitched really good, but he only got a couple wins because like they just don't give him run support, and it's just 
it's nasty. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. He's he's a tough one, and it's just another argument to, to taking pitching early. It's uh, it's it's pretty wild. Are there any positions that um, like for me, it's kind of third base. It feels like is there any positions that really drop off super fast that besides your shortstop desire, your starting pitching that you're making sure you kind of check off pretty early. Uh, I was having a lot of trouble figuring out where I wanted to take a first baseman. Um, I didn't like really any of them where they were going. Uh, obviously, I love Freeman, but again, I like to get my speed in the first round, and I just, you know, he might get you five, six stolen bases, and you got to take him at the end of the first. And I, I have no problem doing that. I mean, he's obviously an elite hitter. Um, but again, I like to get speed early, so it kind of doesn't go with, you know, the way I like to draft. And then there's just so many first basemen. Like, what happened to Goldschmidt's power? Is that going to come back? Rizzo had an awful year. Is he washed or is he, you know, was it just a bad year? Like, I don't know. I was never comfortable with taking any of these first basemen where they were going. It's changed a little bit. Uh, I'm I'm 100% in on Josh Bell now. Yeah, the new situation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I. So I'm taking him. I I've got him a bunch of times in the tenth round. Uh, I've taken him in the ninth as well. So I'm I'm definitely in on him. Uh, I've I've always liked Christian Walker, mm-hmm. but again, the, the humidor being in Arizona has kind of maybe zapped his power a little bit. I think he's just a good solid option um, down there. He won't hurt you anywhere. Um, CJ Crone, I know he's signed with uh, Colorado, so that ups his value immensely. Uh, but yeah, like that. I don't know. I, I've taken Alonzo a couple times, but I don't really love it. I, I just don't like. The, <laughs> yeah, I just I don't love it. I don't like the three category guys in the in the first five rounds. I don't like that at all. I've never. I, I'm not a Matt Olson guy. Way too, way too much of a downside for his batting average. We just saw that in in 2020. So yeah, first base is first base is tough for me. Yeah, no, it's it, I, I've struggled too because like okay, like you said the Goldie and Rizzo thing. Like they've fallen so much from where they used to be, but. What's the real story there? That's a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, you or not, that's a fun question. I found myself taking a lot more Josh Bell, Reese Hoskins, Christian Walker. That's kind of like my wheelhouse right now. I kind of mm-hmm. want to make sure I get one of those three. And otherwise, I feel really bad about the position. Like, it's it's not pretty. So I'm with you there. Third base, it feels like it gets weird for me as well. Second base, it's deep in a weird way. But it's like I took Otuve in like round seven or eight here. Which I like. Okay, I'll do that. That seems like you know a potential bounce back. I like what I saw in the postseason. But there's so many guys you look at, kind of like the way you looked at Freeman at second base. You're just like, hmm, hmm. I don't. I really don't yeah. like. It doesn't really like knock my socks off. I'm like, I gotta draft this guy. So yeah, like, second base is tough. Second base is really tough. I've actually well, taken Whit, Whit Merrifield in the third a yes. lot, just I, because I, I like the dual eligibility. But I, I love him at second base. The the batting average, the speed, a little bit of pop. You know, he's not going to get you a zero. So I've, I've, uh, I'm probably a little bit higher on, on Whit Merrifield than most. I've taken him at the beginning of the third round just to lock in that second baseman. So yeah, He's like my second or third second baseman in my rankings. I had him first last year, and people gave me shit for that too. So um, I, I, I love Whit. You don't, you don't have to convince me on him. He does everything that you ask for the man, and he hits to the top of the order. Of a sneaky, interesting Royals lineup for offense. Like They're not going to win a lot of games, but there's some fantasy viability in that offense. So, and he doesn't um, miss games. He, he doesn't oh. miss games. He plays every day. He gets uh, – I love the average, but the thing that, you know, a lot of people don't really talk about with his average is he's getting mid-600s and at-bats. So, 
you know, a lot of the other elite batting average guys are in their mid 500s. So it's like he's getting an extra 100, 100 at bats with that elite average. And that's like, that's what I like to sign up for. That's, that's how I do things early in drafts. I want speed and I want batting average and aces. And I love it. And then, that's a, that's a, that's a strong philosophy. Um, earlier, you mentioned the 2020 season, like when you're doing your 80th percentile, you're using 2019 obvious reasons. But what I want to ask you about for a guy that, uh, you know, looks into these players and kind of evaluates them, we kind of said it a little bit when we talked about Goldie and Rizzo and Altuve. The 2020 season was weird. And there were so many just scenarios where some guys were really, really good, some guys were really, really bad. How are you weighing 2020? Like, is it, I, I say it's a grain of salt. It's player by player. You can't really broad stroke this thing. But, like, how have you gone about looking at things? Yeah, same way. It's on an individual basis. For pitchers, I want to see, like, if they did well, I want to see, like, why they do well. Was it a, was a pitch mix change or, you know, or did they just get lucky, you know, essentially? So, I, you know, you look at all the metrics and stuff like that, and you come up, you come to a conclusion on, on certain players. Uh, for hitters, um, I'm, I'm kind of throwing it out for the, the hitters that had COVID. So, yes. Mancata, uh, Meadows. I'm, yeah, I'm completely throwing it out for them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm buying back in because they're coming at a discount, and uh, I'll take that. I'll take that with them. Yeah, you, you better get Meadows now while you can because the hype train is in full effect. He's already homered twice this spring. He looks great. He's leading off even versus lefties. Like, because that postseason was nasty. Like, he looked so bad. Like, I, he shouldn't even play. Like, he looked so bad. Yeah. But uh, he's looking good now. But wait back on. COVID, man, it ain't no joke. <laughs> and, yeah, and and Mancata said it affected him all the way into November. And, like, sure, a player could, you know, use that as an excuse or whatever. But if he's coming on saying it affected him all the it way into November. It's pretty obvious watching him. Like, he, yeah. looked, he looked slower, lethargic. Like, mm-hmm. you can see it. With him. And this was a guy that back in, like, February was saying, I want to steal way more bases and stuff. So he was energetic ready to roll. Like, so yeah. – it wasn't something like, so yeah, there's a lot of things like that that are just like, hmm, where do we go? And then, you know, the argument, well, Freddie thought he was going to die and then he wins the MVP. So yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just such a weird deal that uh, we're looking at. The inning pitch situation, though, is very, very interesting. It's why Woodruff goes higher for me because he's a workhorse. He's going to get his innings. Um, some guys are factoring in people that threw postseason and regular season kind of doing that. How are you going about the inning pitch predicament? Because another thing, I even tweeted about it today because the A's pitching coach mentioned it. I've heard other players mention it. They've been throwing all offseason. They basically, in theory, throw probably what they threw in the regular season, they've thrown in the offseason as well, like leading up to it. So their innings count shouldn't be too effective. But are you concerned? Are you kind of discounting guys? How are you approaching the innings pitch scenario? For me personally, I'm really not doing too much with it. Um, I, I want the pitcher. I want the good pitchers. Like, I want the elite ratios. I mean, if they if they're only throwing 150 instead of 170, I mean, pretty much everybody is going to be, uh, you know, moving at the same rate. I think you're not going to see some all of a sudden throwing way more and then some throwing way less, you know, unless they have had some kind of an injury or something like that. So I'm, I'm really not, you know, weighing it too much. If they all throw less though, then each each inning is more important, right? Because it's less of a sample size. So it's even more of an emphasis to get the elite ratios, the pitchers with elite ratios. Yep. Back to taking pictures in the first round, folks. So, yep. yeah. <laughs> but, um, all right. Let's talk some uh, ADP debates. I, I picked some late round guys post 200 ADP. Um, they're kind of, some are young and old. Some are just kind of interesting scenarios. 
to get your kind of thoughts on how you're attacking these guys later in drafts. Obviously, it'll be kind of roster dependent on how you're doing things, but just in a vacuum, if you had these two guys, how would you approach it? And we'll start with uh, Andrew McCutcheon, pick 203, and then Jarek Kalenic, pick 207, who I don't know if you saw the clip today, but it was absolutely perfect timing when Scott Service is getting interviewed and says, oh, young players will let us know when they're ready. And as he says ready, Clinic goes oppo. I was just like, <laughs> oh, freaking amazing after all these comments. So if you had to in a draft, because the, the talk about taking Clinic's kind of heated up lately, would you go McCutcheon or Clinic? Uh, I actually just got my first share of Clinic. So, um, and I don't have any shares of McCutcheon. I want the guy that's on the rise as opposed to the guy that's on the decline. So I'm definitely going to go Kalenic there. Uh, I think I like the the power-speed combo, and I do think he's going to be up. If not right away, it's going to be pretty quick. I mean, how do you hold him down, right? I mean, I was I was super angry last year because he was crushing the alt site, and all the rumors were like, oh, he's going to come join him, he's going to come join him. So I grabbed him in TGFBI last year in, like, week two, and I sat with him the entire season because I'm, like, sitting there going – well, actually, I couldn't drop it at a point because my team was so riddled with COVID and everything. I was out of money halfway through the season. Oh. I was just trying to fill up. I, I did everything I could just to fill a roster. I still had a roster. I fought till the end. I finished like fifth, I think, in my league. Like I was just proud of that. But I couldn't even drop him if I wanted to because I hadn't can't make zero dollar bids. So I'm sitting there just going, can he please get called up, please? Just yeah. please, God. <laughs> what are we doing here? So I, I'm with you like – the more the buzz is sounding like it's like a week or two, it's much more attractive. I yeah. be, Before the dummy said the stuff he got fired for, I would have believed – I wouldn't have been shocked if it was a month or two just because it's the Mariners. But it's like now it seems like the heat is on. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to get gone. It's like if you had to in a vacuum, Jared Kalenic or Andrew Vaughn, if you go and pick one in a draft? Uh, Kalenic. Okay. Because of the speed? Yeah. That's why I figured because Vaughn's a special beast too. Like that's gonna oh, be yeah. a fun one. He's gonna yeah. be fun. Um, the next one I got for you, uh, two guys you already mentioned at first base. Now Christian Walker at two hundred seven and the new Colorado Rockies. I'm saying he's making the team. I think pretty obvious he's making the team. CJ Crone at pick two twelve. I've been a big Crone fan for years. I, I mentioned I like Walker, but Crone and Coors Field. That's like stuff you dream about. So mm-hmm. how do you go with these two guys? Uh, for me, it would come down to. Uh, my team, like, what do I need at that point? If do I need a little bit more power, I would go with Crone. If I need a little bit more like stability, like average, uh, I would definitely go with Walker. So in a vacuum, uh, let's, let's go with Crone. I'll take I'll I'll take uh, Coors. Eighty-one games in Coors with Crone. Like uh, projections, like are fun to to have that debate. I don't want to have that debate because I like using them kind of as a reference point. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's not the end of. And Derek Cardi's the bat decks. I love because he uses Savant, which I think is a very powerful tool. I can't remember what I, I read it off a couple episodes ago. The projections for Kron now he's a Colorado Rocky are just ridiculous. Like it's a, I, I, you have to go back and find the tweet. It's one of the craziest. His stat line, he'd be like a third rounder. <laughs> but it's not going to happen, <laughs> but it's ridiculous. Um, pitching, Eduardo Rodriguez obviously didn't pitch last year because of massive COVID complications. He's come out and said, I'm healthy. I'm ready to go 30 starts. Like he's like, I've been working. My arm's fine, whatever. Pick 221. John Means, 225. Pitched pretty well in the season. Still throws up a lot of home runs. Do you want to take Means, who's knock on wood healthy, or Erod and hope he's healthy? I would take Erod. Um, I like I like the the strikeout potential. Um, 
ERA and WHIP, the ratios. I maybe would take means if I, you know, if I wanted to, you know, stabilize that aspect a little bit. But if I'm going with pitchers early, I should have the ratios kind of established already. So I would go with uh, the, the higher strikeout guy that I think will strike out more guys with Rodriguez. And at the same time, I I don't know if I want to mess around with Baltimore. I mean, <laughs> pitchers park, not that a very division. good team. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. That's real tough. Yeah, Erod is a, a big fan of mine. I'm a big fan of his. I mean, he's not on mine. He doesn't know who I am, but I'm a big fan of his. A <laughs> um, couple more for you here. You got Victor Reyes at 230, Rymel Tapia 234. Which one of those leadoff bats do you like? Uh, I'm going to go with Tapia there. Uh, I do like Victor Reyes a lot, but they just – I don't know. I, I don't know what the playing time is going to look like for him. They, I mean, they added Robbie Grossman, and he's going to play every day. So that's one less outfield spot. So I, I would go with Tapia there. It sounds like Tapia is going to lead off, and I think he could be a good source of batting average and st- uh, stolen bases. And I actually have uh, taken him a couple times. Yeah, so have I. I've, I've been grabbing him because I just I can't wrap my head around how the leadoff hitter in Colorado is going that late. I just I don't know. I know there's there's Hampson and there's other guys hanging. I got I love Sam Hilliard to death, but it's like they gave Tapia the ball last year. He's going to start the year with it. So why not? It's like it's it's almost like the Aaron Hicks story. Like the round, the it's the same situation. So yeah, um, yep. I'm with you on Tapia. Well, another right. thing Tapia does that uh, that you can't really find late in drafts is batting average. Like it's it's very tough to find batting average that that late, and the speed combo to go with it. Yeah, I, I would go Tapia for sure. Hundred runs. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, starting pitcher again, Michael Pineda, pick two thirty six versus Eliezer Hernandez. So kind of this old grinder in Pineda who's throw some good starts together, eats up some innings, and you got Eliezer, who's kind of up and coming, but can get blown up as well. So which one do you prefer? <sighs> Neither. <laughs> uh, I would probably go with Pineda. I'm a little bit nervous about Miami pitchers. I mean, every divisional matchup is going to be tough. I mean, every every offense over there is pretty loaded. Uh, the, the NLDH does, uh, or non-DH in the NL, does help. Uh, but, yeah, in, in that situation, I would go with Pineda. I'm with you on Pineda as well. Uh, a couple later round potential closers, Anthony Bass in Miami. It looks like it's his job for now, and he's still going to pick 237, and he's got some pretty good stuff. He looks great in his early spring starts as well. And then you got Jose LeClerc at 243. Toby loves LeClerc. I can't stand LeClerc. I guess I guess I saw PTSD from when he blew up a couple years ago. It's it, He doesn't overwhelm me at all. But um, both guys that for now should enter the season as the starting closers, Bass or LeClerc for you. Bass, for sure. Um, yeah, I've actually I've taken Bass quite a bit lately. I'm I'm all in on him uh, now. In draft champions, I do like to try to back him up with Yemi Garcia. Uh, then you at least you lock down the you know the closer situation there. You should be able to get the saves. Um, I don't, Leclerc. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I love the strikeout potential. Like if if you're really if you're chasing strikeouts from a closer, he's probably your guy. But I mean, Texas isn't going to be good. And he's he's I mean he's like you said he's he's gotten blown up he's lost the job before he's coming off injury like there's just they have really good options in that back end too uh, that could easily replace him so yeah, I have that that's yeah, my thing Jonathan Hernandez is there Jolie Rodriguez is sneaky good like they got options I think what it comes down to is you start with Leclerc hope he does well trade him that's what I think Texas yeah. wants that's their their dream scenario. And probably the same for the Marlins with Bass. So let's just be yeah, real about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, two Rockies kind of hinted at them a second ago, but there's, 
I tweeted out the other day all the Rockies going past pick 200, and it blew my mind. It really did. Garrett Hampson at 245, Ryan McMahon at 246. Uh, with Arenado out of town, and no, well, Cron's at first now, but still, one of these guys should play second, potentially. One of these guys should play third, potentially, unless you're a believer in Brendan Rodgers. That's a chances too. But between Hampson and McMahon going right next to each other in drafts, Hampson obviously steals more bags, so you might be leaning there. But which the two do you prefer? Oh man, that is a tough one too. I would probably go. I'd probably go with McMahon. I think he's. I just think he's a better hitter. Uh, so I would probably go with McMahon. But yeah, I mean, if, if I'm if I'm in dire need for for steals, I guess I'd go with Hampson. I I really don't want to have to rely on him though. So I, I think I would go with the better hitter in McMahon. I actually was on McMahon last year too, and uh, yeah, it didn't work out too well. But I was on him two years ago. I think it was my very last pick in TGFBI, and that worked out okay. Um, last year was yeah a rough year for him, but I agree he's the better player. I think he's locked into more consistent playing time than Hampson is out the gate. Not that Hampson yeah. can't get it. Feels like McMahon because that's how it was last year. He's going to have the job, and we'll go from there. Do you have any inc- like inkling to? Um, I mentioned Sam Hilliard and Brendan Rodgers. Are you targeting them at all at later rounds because they're coming really cheap for potential Coors goodness? Yep. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm good with both of them. Uh, I think Hilliard is he's a big power speed combo, you know, possibility. And yeah, that's that's kind of guy if you hit on if Hilliard blows up and you hit on him, like that's the kind of pick that can like win you an overall competition. So I would uh I would definitely be in on a late round Sam Hilliard. Yeah, I'm hundred percent with you there. And the last one I have for you here, uh we'll we'll go back to Milwaukee with Low Kane coming off a, a year he took off. Now he's back, pick two fifty. Then Austin Hayes, the young leadoff hitter for the Orioles at 254. So you want the veteran or the youngster? Uh, it kills me to say, but I would probably go with Hayes. Hayes are kind of past him, it feels like. Yeah, I, I think I think Kane is probably uh, a better real-life player because he's just, you know, very good defensively. He gets on base at a nice clip. But I just – I mean, he, he doesn't have much power and – I mean, he's older. He's getting older. So, like, like, what can you expect for his, you know, his speed? I just, I don't know. I know some people think he can steal twenty bases. I, I would be surprised if he did. Yeah, he used to be that guy. I, I think if you got ten to twelve, you'd be happy right about now. That's kind yeah. of how I see it. I think that'd be a great season if he pulled that off. I just, he seems like a, he's just like an injury away from just kind of having it all shut down. So, <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah, exactly. Or opting out again. Yeah, often out. Yeah, that's still an option. Well, very true. Uh, before we do listener questions, speaking of Milwaukee, what's your thoughts on Keston here this year? Because I like the idea you could draft him now and he could potentially get first base eligibility. Kind of helps that position we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. But there's still a big swing and miss situation there. So what's your what's your take? You hear probably hear the radio and all the good stuff there. So what do you got on Hero? Uh, he's always been a very good hitter. Um, through the minors in, in college, he's always been a very good hitter, and I think that hit tool is there. It's it's going to be tough to hit for a high average when you strike out at the at the clip that he does. But uh, I think he's worth a shot because I think he's a 30, 30 home run. He should get a ton of counting stats, and I think he's I think he can you know get the double digit stolen bases. So and second base is not like we talked about earlier. It's just not it's not very good. So. I think there's definite value, uh, or you know, could could produce at a at a pretty high clip. Um, 
for second base and where he's going. I've, I have taken a couple shots. I don't want all the shares just, you know, cause yeah. there is that downside with the strikeout percent, but uh, yeah, I I'm in on him. He hits the ball hard. So I pick 68 overall the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, at pick 81 is Cattell Marte. Would you rather ch- chance here or Marte at second base? I think it would kind of, I think it would kind of depend on who I started with. If I have a really nice bat- batting average base, you know, if I have a Soto and, uh, you know, another another good high high batting average guy, I would probably go with Hira. I, I don't know. I had Marte last year. I, I was high on him. I took him in the third round of my main event. I was all about him. And I don't know what we're going to get for speed. I think his power will come back a little bit. Um and I like I like the batting average, uh, you know, possibilities he has there, and he should get tons of counting stats as well. But I, I don't know what we're going to get for speed. We didn't see it last year. Uh, I mean, he he could steal fifteen, he could steal you know four. So it's like, what like what do you want at that point? I think I think Hira's got a higher ceiling, but uh, I think Marte probably has a higher floor. I'm with you there. Do you think Josh Hader gets traded this this season? I don't because I think the Brewers are going to be competing. Uh, I I think that their their offense is going to bounce back. The division is not good, and That's I true. yeah they have two. I mean, as long as Woodruff and, and Burns can stay healthy. I mean, that's that's elite at the top of your rotation, and their bullpen is one of the best in baseball. So, I think that they're going to be competing. So, I would be surprised if they did trade them. But if they're if they're you know kind of if it's fifty fifty, it could happen. I mean, it, it's all going to depend on what the package that they that they get. I think their asking price is going to be pretty high. Going to be very high, but the Dodgers can pay for it. So that'll be that's the one I'm, I'm afraid of as a Giants fan. Um, I love the Colton Wong move. I think that's great. Corbin Burns, such a fun name to talk. If you just tweet out, everyone comes in either direction. I'm just worried about how many innings. But are you still willing to pay the draft price for Corbin Burns? I only have one, uh, one or two shares. Um, I'm a little bit nervous there. I love the potential. I mean, yeah, we saw it last year. We saw how good he can be. So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm probably not going to pay the pay the draft price in the in the big money leagues. It's just a little bit too much risk for me early on in a draft. So I'll let uh, I'll let somebody else take that risk on. But I'm hoping I'm hoping he does awesome. Uh, you've mentioned a few times on the show, and I do the same thing that. Um... You have a few shares there. You don't want to go all in here. Diversifying the portfolio, especially for a guy that does as many drafts as you do. Do you make a concerted effort to like only get X amount of certain players, or it just kind of flows with what's going on? But then, like, you'll be like, "Oh wait, I have a lot of him. Let's go over here." Like, do you make a point to, to zig and zag with with the players? Uh, early rounds, I do. I don't. I don't want to have a hundred percent invested in an early round player because if he gets hurt, then. It's going to screw all your teams, but yeah, later later in the later in the drafts, I'm I'm willing to take take shots. So like Jazz Chisholm is one of my biggest most owned players. I have tons of shares. He's as a reserve guy, he's second short. He could be you know fifteen fifteen. So he's he's a guy that I have the most shares of. I got uh, probably too many shares of Zach Eflin. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah. So I got yeah I got a, a lot of shares. I'm I'm totally fine with taking all the shares of players later in drafts like that because if it doesn't work out, it's not going to kill your team. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Like when you look at the NFBC shares, it's usually uh, late round picks. That's I'm um, with you there. Kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah. Let's do some listener questions here, and uh, we'll get you on out of here. Uh, Mike Carter at 
MDRC0508. He asks, uh, first, can I get Fish to draft my team? And he's kind of joking there. But um, his next question was, can you guys talk about how you stock pitching in the NFBC? It's, some, it's something I have never gotten right. So we've talked about taking pitching early, but do you have like a – besides just saying I'm taking pitchers early, do you have like a recipe that he's talking about like how you attack pitching, like a goal in mind? Or is it just take too early and kind of see where it goes? Uh, well, I want I want two aces. I want two – I mean, I guess if you're looking at roster construction, I want two pitchers by the end of the fourth round. I want two starters. Uh, and then I have been taking a lot of closes in the fifth round. I just – it's kind of a – you know that's kind of where the do I take Keston Hira here or do I uh, go with a, with a, you know the lockdown closer draft champions? I like to get that. Like I said earlier, I like to get that closer, mm-hmm. the short closer. So I've been taking two pitchers in the first four rounds with the closer in the fifth round, and then two combo bats in the with the, in the other two picks. So yeah, I want I want at least two aces early, and then it depends on kind of what I got. If I got two high strikeout guys, then I'll go try to get a little bit more, uh, really focus on the, the ratios. So like maybe like a Zach Wheeler, I'm totally fine as perfect as a number three. Uh, but if I have, you know, let's say I have Kershaw and an- another starter ace to begin with, I'll, I'll maybe roll the dice a little bit more with like a Joe Musgrove. Yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense as well. Uh, Edwin Turnage asks, John, how do you generally approach a DC? I kind of hit on that right there. Um, do you try to get speed and saves early and power late? Uh, yeah, you pretty much hit on that as well. Um, are you an early catcher drafter? Not not as early as Toby. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I'll never have any shares of, of Real Muto. But last year I waited too long, so I learned my lesson the hard way. I had awful catchers, and it, it, none of them hit. It didn't work out. They were complete dead spots in my lineup the whole year. And it just puts too much pressure on the rest of your lineup to perform. So I've been uh, I've been taking Grandall a lot. I've been taking I've been hitting like that. You know those those catchers right there, Will Smith, Contreras. Like those are my, like I've been hitting at least one of those guys in in almost all my drafts. Yep, similar philosophy because people used to subscribe to the idea. Oh, I'll just take two guys later; it'll work out. And no, like they crush you. They absolutely crush your team. Like you're batting average out the window. You're not getting counting stats. It's like two dead spots. At least give me one guy, and we can like kind of like the closer situation, and we can go from there. But yeah, I'm 100 percent with you. I, I it's kind of by the end of round 10 ish, I want at least one, and that's kind of similar to shortstop. Like you said, that cutoff line. Like I got to get one of these guys. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. His last question is who? Oh, he just mentioned that. Who are a couple of your favorite catcher targets? So we hit on that one as well. I also uh, like Sean Murphy too. Are that's you concerned amazing. at all about his collapsed lung? Uh, yeah, yeah, a little, a little bit. I mean, but it sounds like he sounds like he should be okay. Day. Yeah, I think yeah. he started taking live BP this week. So okay, it might be good for a catcher to not like sit there and crouch for eight hours yeah. during bullpens. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because his his Statcast page for a catcher is like whoa. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, so that's that's another good one as well. Uh, Greg Sharon, he has some. Um, I think you'll get the, the trend of his questions here in a minute. But um, do you feel obligated to take Mike Trout whenever you can? Uh, no, no, Trout is actually – I actually don't have any shares of Trout because he just goes too early for me. Yeah, these, these are these – are, you're going to see these are all uh, questions because of your last name. Uh, was his favorite player – was your favorite player Tim Salmon or Catfish Hunter? 
<laughs> Give me Tim Salmon. <laughs> and um, well, this one you actually answered. Uh, this will make him happy. Do you think Anthony Bass will close this year? <laughs> Absolutely, that's my guy. <laughs> I just laughed when I saw that earlier. Oh Jesus! Um, at John Russell two fifteen asks, um, he needs to know. And you mentioned P- Musgrove just a second ago. Chris Paddock or Joe Musgrove? Because I've heard arguments for either person personally. When it came down to it for me, I went Paddock at 118 overall. Musgrove promptly went at 123. Paddock or Musgrove for you? Uh, Musgrove. Um, I just love the way he finished the season. And, yeah, I, I, the, the change of scenery going to going to a good team. Um, is getting out of Pittsburgh. I mean, it's, think about that. He gets to live in San Diego now and play for a good team. Yeah. So, yeah, I would, I would go Musgrove for sure. Yeah, I just can't Paddock. I've – Preached it. People made fun of me last year. I had him ranked like 40th in my rankings. I just tell he can figure out another pitch. I want nothing to do with him. It's, yeah. it's just his fastball is so hittable. If he's not on, it's not even funny. Um, and then I believe this is the last, yeah, last question we got here. James at James underscore AG1 asks, which division do you feel has the worst starting pitching? I think the AL East pitching is horrendous. Yep. Uh, yeah, I'm going with the AL East. Yeah, it, it's it's real bad because NL East has some good ones. Um, AL Central got a couple good ones. NL, no, they got, yeah, I'd probably be with you. AL East because either that or the AL West. That's they're still yeah. It just depends on what you consider good pitching, but uh, yeah, AL East is probably where you're at because then those ballparks, those lineups, it just makes things ugly in a hurry. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, non-baseball question, and then I'll let you go. If you had to pick – okay, first off, have you? I'm assuming you've been to Camp Randall for a game and you've been to Lambeau for a game, correct? Yeah. Yes, okay, right, right of passage for Ascani. Um, best live situation, jump around or go, Pat, go? Oh, jump around for sure. I figured I had to ask it because Packers get Lambeau. I couldn't say Camp Randall or Lambeau because that's pretty simple. But yeah. – um, cause being like, even me who like, well, when I walked into Lambo first, when you walk around the neighborhoods, the park, that was cool. Cause you don't do that anywhere else, but yeah, going into Lambo, you're just like, Holy crap. But, um, and, and yeah. the go back goes cool, but then jump around. Like, and, and I, I've, I've done it on the lower level. I've done it up top. The one of those recent was up top, but the front row up top, that's gnarly. When that place is shaking, you, they got yeah. in front of you. It's like, Oh <laughs> Yeah. But uh, I remember, uh, I remember, so I played baseball at Edgewood College right here in Madison. Okay. And one of our, one of our team fundraisers was we worked uh, for a security. So okay. like we were, we had some people that were ushers. We had some people that like were, you know, uh, like helping take tickets and helping like check bags and stuff like that. And I remember uh, sneaking down and uh, badges were playing Michigan state and jump around came on and the whole Michigan state team was even jumping up and down like on the field. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's always fun when uh, you, I, since I've done it a few times now, like at first you're sitting there watching the stadium the whole time. Like, Holy, what is this? This is nuts. But now it's like, I start doing it. And then you look down at the opposing team. Like you're saying, it's either some of them are just like looking around in awe yeah, some of them are jumping around. Like it's it's just so funny watching the atmosphere. Because I've been to other games, like um, my friends that live in Milwaukee and Madison. Like we've flown out to like Houston for when they opened against uh, LSU in Houston that one year, 
and they tried to do jump around there for Wisconsin. It just, yeah, it just doesn't work. When it's like 80% LSU on there, it doesn't work. But, yeah. um, it, but when you do it in Madison, like even at the Rose Bowl, they've done it and it doesn't work. But uh, yeah, it's it's an atmosphere. It's I tell people it and until they witness it. Like, like I tell them, it's been registered on the Richter scale. Yeah, so, it's insane. <laughs> it's, it's nuts. Um, would you rather like a Packers Super Bowl is pretty tough to beat, but would you what what would you rather see Wisconsin beat Ohio State because I don't think I've seen it in forever, or would you rather them? I don't know because like you want a national championship. What what would you need? What would be better to you than them beating Ohio State because that's like on the list right now. Uh, Badger football. Yeah, Badger football. Um. I mean, I would like to see them win the national title. That'd be that'd be nice. <laughs> I would take that over Ohio State win. But. What if they What if they um, won the Big Ten, but had to go to like they went to the Rose Bowl, obviously, and lost? Would you rather that or beat Ohio State? Losing the Rose Bowl or beat Ohio State? Yeah. Beat Ohio State. Okay, yeah, I, I'm telling you. Even like my buddies that have like they went to Madison back in the, like they're they're like in their mid fifties, and they hate Ohio State with like a burning passion. So it, it's fun to listen to the, like you guys back there, I, I, have, I have a blast when I go there. I could, I'm not going to sit here and keep the listeners listening to this, but I could sit here and talk to you about, it's so much fun back there. It's freaking awesome. Um, la- last one though, you're not much of a beer drinker. I get it. What's your favorite State Street stop? Um. Uh... I mean, you can't go wrong with State Street brats. Yes, that's a good one. They used yeah. to have, uh, they used to have, uh, what was it called? Um, it was like a, it was like a stock market essentially. So if nobody was buying it, the price of it would fall. And oh, if people awesome. were people were buying it, the price would go up. So sweet. You, could, you could get some deals. They had uh, flip night, so basically you'd go in and they flip a coin, and if you get it right, you get the drink half off. You get it wrong, you pay full price. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. State Street. We go there at least least one night every time we go, and usually sit up top. Uh, we went for homecoming one time. We got the booths right by, so you can see the parade down down below. But then party up top. So yeah, I'm a big fan of that. But uh, yeah. we'll wrap it, we'll wrap it up there. I can sit here and do this all night. But um, go ahead, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter. Anything else you want to talk about? The floor is yours. Yeah, you can just find me on Twitter at fish two four eight three. Awesome, John. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I look forward to doing it again sometime. Uh, really good stuff. Maybe we'll just do a podcast and talk about football or something. And it's just something like that. But uh, thanks for joining me, man. Truly appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for having me on, Bubba. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 349, talking some fantasy baseball NFBC with John Fish. Catch you guys later. Mm-hmm.